Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm going to do for you as a listener. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. The Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to the listener by career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. My next guest is the CEO of Malden Brand Incorporated and chairman of Black American Music Association. Bam! His impact on the global music industry has been felt for over 40 plus years. I know I've been right there with this young brother. Artist management, creative branding, and executive leadership, and has earned him the Living Legend Foundation highest honor, the 2018 Lifetime Achievement Award. Music may have been his first love, but he's also passionate about his community, family, and the next generation. Whether it's helping to develop superstar talent, educating the next generation of leaders, directing a culturally inspired campaign, or using philanthropic efforts to evoke change. This is what my man does. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Michael Malden. Oh, man, thank you so much, Rashawn. That's, that's uh, 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 <laughs> interesting, but I hear that myself. I'm like, you're talking about me? Uh, but uh, but no, I appreciate being on here with you, man. And congratulations on your talk show. I really love what you're what you're about with this. Well, Mike, yeah. you know, you and I sit on many radio studios, sit on a many a oh, couch, yeah. you know, just, you know, different yeah. cities on the run, backstage. Talk about the music industry when we were talking and about the music industry now. Right. Well, you know, we've seen a lot, man. Obviously, I've been doing it for, you know, four decades, which is crazy, or over four decades in one way or the other, starting out as a roadie and being working with a lot of those artists in the early days, funk artists, you know, from Brick to Cameo, and then going on to work with Luther Vandross and the Nita Bakers and having the opportunity to work with, you know, some of the biggest and most prominent artists in the game. Um, and then in the nineties, you know, I went up to, uh, Columbia records. I was drafted as I would say, you know, from a management arm of just having a good deal of success with the artists and stuff I was working with. And I was asked to come in to Sony and do my thing. And, and I think, um, you know, I took on a role of, 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 you know, I was not bragging, but I felt like we could get a lot done, but I had never been on the inside of a label before. So I had the idea of becoming a a division that could operate on its own accord and that kind of thing. So I went in pushing for that, um, and I and I go to that because when you say where the music was in the in the nineties, we were really striving breaking some walls down regarding releases and hip hop had really kicked in in the mainstream, and we were starting to do amazing stuff. And some of us that was controlling budgets and really had our own full staffs of people, uh, we were doing exceptionally well as right. we did there at Columbia. And and we watched the movement happen. Come the 2000s, I was no longer in the system, not because of me not being there, but it changed. We saw that change coming. It changed back to all of a sudden being controlled from within, being considered a department, no longer were um, 
black divisions or black music arms being given their own budgets and they had to go to their white counterparts to get budgets approved and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that started to change and started to create a level of control that we've been fighting to get back right. for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And even though right now, black American music, which obviously is hip hop, R&B, funk, any of that fits right in there, is leading the entire globe in regards to streams. Uh, I, I think Spotify, it was just, re, it was just report, reported that Spotify, for example, now I think is 65 to 70% of its streaming income comes from black American music. And, is, and isn't hip hop the number one stream music, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And then when you take the mergence, you know, of, of, of R&B and hip hop, which little does people know had a lot to do with coining the term urban mm-hmm. back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the combination of R&B meeting where you'd have a, a singing song that would have a, a rap breakout or you'd have a rap with a singing hook. Those things started to change up the landscape so that they could be worked from a different perspective on Top 40 or Rhythmic Radio, which no black, very few black promotion guys was able to work those records there. So that started to change up the climate. But I think that where we are now, uh, we are, it's a different day. There's no CDs and stuff are not being sold. Obviously with the COVID, you know, out here, live engagements are harder, but we are streaming more music in black American music than we've ever done. And it's just a matter of now trying to get more control and create a better level of ownership and, and priority inside these buildings and outside in the community. You know, absolutely. Well, now, so what? Let's back up a little bit because I, I said a lot when I introduced you because you've done a lot and you are a lot. And I didn't, I didn't make, miss any words that I said in my credits. You are a phenomenal person. I've always enjoyed talking to you. We laughed. We uh, we right. talked about doing things together with NASCAR. I remember back in the day, right. you was NASCAR. We're talking. About, I'm, I'm broadcasting <laughs> right now from Atlanta. So you said, Rashawn, I got right. something I'm gonna do at NASCAR. Talk about that NASCAR diversity experience that you were dealing by. That was about 10 years ago and now what's yeah. happening now yeah well you know it, it, it goes back away to your point it was a while back and and i started working in association with them i grew up around the sport i'm from north carolina right i grew up around it my dad nickname was uh, they call everybody called him light and i say nickname it's almost like his name and my dad was a uh, he wasn't a moonshiner but i used to tell everybody he he was close a, to he, it. He was one of them. He was close to it. He was one of those guys that carried carried the shine, mm-hmm. and so he was well known in the in the mountain. This is a real conversation, and I was always around motorsports, dirt track racing, that kind of thing. I was one of those black kids that loved cars, and I was very much into it. So NASCAR was a big part of that, and a lot of times people didn't really understand it. But I was going to races uh, from the time that I was six years old on. So in two thousand and four, through my love for it. I ended up reaching out uh, with my company, Malden Brand, uh, with the time we was referred to as Malden Brand Agency. And with that, we, uh, you know, our whole thing was about branding and, right. and, and having a having a an ecosystem that really meant, you know, taking the quote unquote black brand, black mm-hmm. community brand. And we actually referred to it as the urban brand at the time, mm-hmm. taking that and moving that into mainstream and then taking those. Um, assets and things that we got from that and bring it back into the community. So that was always kind of our formula. And so I went after NASCAR. I went after it in a way to say, hey, y'all need some help. 
not just from a diverse standpoint of black folks being there or black drivers being there, but from a youth perspective of young people and making sure because the climate is changing. Most of your audience is older. You know, I, I knew my age and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. However, it's hard for me to get these young kids to go to the track with me, you know, and I've taken Bow Wow and I've taken Jermaine and a, a bunch of artists over the years, Wyclef Jean and different people to the track mm-hmm. to give them that experience because the experience is amazing. But on the fish on this big track, but just trying to really work it in and create more symmetry. And I think that, um, you know, because it was, in all honesty, been viewed for years as kind of that good old boy type of networking that takes place in our world. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, from the black community felt like it was on the outside of us and we didn't really drill down. I got involved, started creating some programs, started creating some things. We, we ended up doing a, a couple of events around the country and in Atlanta, Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh, Ed Clark, who's the president of that track out there is a great guy. Um, we did something on Friday night. It's called Welcome Fast Car Weekend. Welcome to Atlanta mm-hmm. Fast Car Weekend. And we would end up um, we had Fast Life Fridays and we had music played and we did a little drag race on pit road down there. And I even had some of the ladies from the Real Housewives of Atlanta participated one year and had a good audience. And it was just it was a great blend of just getting people. We'd have fashion shows. So we realized that black people in our community spends more money per capita on, on automotive right. and, 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 and automotive after parts than anybody. Right. So it's like, well, wow, you know, we love speed. We love all that. Why aren't we more involved? And so the idea was to try to really drill down. I will tell you uh, that NASCAR is a family owned business and it is uh, not public yet, but it, it does great, has great television ratings and all that. And in a way, they've been able to survive without really having that stamp of approval, unlike some of the other sports with with B-ball or or football or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an expensive sport to get into. So unless you got somebody financing you and, and, and that can afford you to go out and possibly tear your car up after two or three laps and have to rebuild it, it's a hard thing for black kids to, to participate in. So we were just trying to find ways to get that go-kart racing, other things to add, not just about being racing, but also it was a lot of mathematics and, and stuff went involved because of just engineering and that kind of thing with the way these cars are today. So it was well, all know, done around education. And I, know, I, that's me. why I wanted to bring it up in our interview, because of the fact that, you know, I to say that NASCAR has always wanted to diversify. And yeah. but that that flag, that flag, and this is right. like it's like you know you go there, you see that, and the flag was there, y'all. I'm gonna tell you, I went to some hey, NASCAR, no doubt, no doubt. It, it no was doubt there, it was there a lot, especially when they had those those. It, it, it's just an experience just to go because those RVs, it's like a new city out there. They got the private yep. jets be coming in. It's a lot of money at NASCAR, and yeah, hundred thousand people ever ever pretty much every Sunday. And I'm uh, just telling you, know, you something. They race all weekend. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you something. I've went to it, Steve Harvey and I. We went several times and. And if you just if you just put your eyes, just just look straight ahead. Don't even look left or right. That car goes by your eyes so fast. <laughs> it is an amazing event to go to. Fresh air, yeah. good food. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's a great atmosphere. And to see now that they've taken down the flag. 
you know, with, yeah. with, with, yeah. with, 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 a, with a president who's been resistant to that, which is incredible. And right. and because NASCAR made this decision, it was the right decision. And seeing a driver yeah. like a very humble and courageous and talented, good looking, articulate driver like Bubba Wallace out there. Yeah. Well, knowing what you tried to do back then and seeing what's happened now, what do you think the the the, the possibilities of it really becoming an engaging level of participation for African Americans? I think it's huge, but I think we also got to look beyond. We got to look at the sport itself because there's a lot of marketing, a yes. lot of stuff involved. And I and you know, and at one point they tapped into a lot of the schools, the A and T, and a lot of the HBCUs found talent. As a matter of fact. Uh, Terrence that used to be on uh, 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 BET, Wall Street and Park. Yeah, Terrence J. Um, mm-hmm. Terrence J. Mm-hmm. You know, is from. He went to A and T. Terrence was actually. I met Terrence working for NASCAR. He right. was working for NASCAR <laughs> as an intern, believe it or not. Mm. And we used to talk about it. So you know, when he went to try out for that job. But the point of it is, they they have constantly for year after year been going after it. But I don't feel. I think it's all been about be on the pit crew be on some of these other things and some of the more executive leaning roles, uh, even though there are a few brothers and sisters involved, uh, could be much more inclusive, I believe. And some of the teams and, and, you know, and even I was just talking to some friends from North Carolina this morning, even for North Carolina, which is kind of the hub of NASCAR, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that it's, um, there's opportunities that we have to investigate or get more involved in to understand what those other jobs is. But I think it's high. I mean, Bubba, uh, Daryl Wallace, everybody refers to him as Bubba. I've known him for, uh, you know, since he got started, a great driver. I mean, really a talented, talented guy. And he just happened to be driving for Richard Petty, which is probably one of the most famous names in motorsports ever, right. mm-hmm. the Petty family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has, he has the tools. Still looking for, you know, he struggles like a lot of these other drivers, but he struggles to get partnerships and sponsorships which is what makes these cars go around that track. Right. Um, it's an expensive sport. It basically costs you $20 million a year to pretty much run one of these cars. Mm. So you have to, you have to have a bank with you somewhat to be able to support being out there. And I think that with that support with now and so much attention or even on him and the support that the sport is giving, as well as some of these young drivers coming up, I think it's a great opportunity. Right. And I also think there's a way to combine our music, particularly hip hop, with this sport more. It, right now, obviously, country music is mostly associated with the sport. Right. But in, over the it, even since I've gotten involved, uh, not to say I had anything to do with it, but it definitely started, you know, gradually getting better, you know, awesome. over time. You know, when you meet people in your life, and uh, we have always we all have different journeys, and you just sit down and you just have a conversation, and you realize that you're talking to a difference maker, and then. Ten years later, he's still making a difference. That's what I love about difference makers. Yeah. You know, they don't they yeah. they pivot, they pivot. They, you know, they see yeah, the opportunity yeah. and they pivot, and uh, <laughs> and that's really you. In a lot of ways, you know, that's what I do all the time too. I people always say, "Man, you do this, you do this." Hey, man, I see an opportunity, I pivot. I don't I don't question right. the opportunity, I pivot. That's that's a value right. that you carry strong to your heart. Correct, Michael. It it really is, John. Uh, you know, however, I, I think the way I view it is I've always been one that if I believed in it, if I genuinely had the authentic feeling of, of it, meaning that it was real, whether it started with me or, or I took it as a handoff or someone told me about it, if I passionately felt it, I was going to go for it. And But however, most of us, so much in our lives, we have that same element. 
it's just that a lot of times we're in front of, you know, nobody else thinks it's cool. Nobody else thinks it's valid. Nobody else feels like there's anything to it. So often we are in front of things that are taking place. So when we introduce them, like when you mentioned the NASCAR thing earlier, or when you do those things along the way, I did that out of passion and out of something I saw was needed. I don't believe everyone saw that same thing needed. They saw that there was things about it that was needed. There was opportunities if the right person or the right group or all of a sudden we had 20,000 people showed up to track today that was black or, 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 or some other minority group, then yeah. But the fact of digging down and understanding, I don't think it did. However, now you go from when that time was, the last event I think I did was probably 2017 or mm-hmm. 18 with NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you look now and you're like, wow, what? look at the change or look at the attention that it's getting or look at some of the things that NASCAR as an organization is having to stand up for. I had someone from the sporting news of NASCAR hit me, let one of the top guys that ever raced hit me last week. That's always been a believer, a white guy uh, in what I have represented it did. And he asked me, Michael, long time. I hadn't talked to you in a couple of years, man, but um, has anyone reached out to you from the NASCAR regarding what's going on? Cause they, they seem like to me now is the time they really need you. I was so taken back by that. Uh, I appreciate them saying it, but at the same time, it's just me, Michael Mall. I'm just trying to <laughs> do what I do. So <laughs> to understand that someone thinking about the sport that they really are believer in needing help and say, wow, or feeling like, okay, there's a lot going on. What is our position now? Let's go to somebody we trust that knows that loves the sport that genuinely is in it that can help us out. That was his thought. Now, don't get it wrong. Nobody from NASCAR since that has reached out to me that I know of. But uh, I know all those guys, and I know the family. Well, Mark, and Mark, Brian Mark. Let me, let me, let me read on. something I just said in your credits. See, see okay. music may be his first love, but he is also passionate about his community family and the next generation whether it is helping to develop superstar talent educating the next generation of leaders directing a culturally inspired campaign or using philanthropic efforts to evoke change i said that about you in my credits (laughs) so please don't be confused why he called you yeah no i appreciate that man and sometimes we do people say man just it is what it is. But I listen, I genuinely what you just said, that is me, man. I I, I live by this little quote I say and, and we even use sometime with Bam. Um you have to acknowledge your history yes. to inspire the future. Yes. Period. And I live by that because I believe that everything that is transpiring, some of it is biblical. But everything that is transpiring today, whether it's a COVID-19 or whether it's the social injustice that's taking place in the streets and out here, it has been here before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it we're just seeing, you know, being replicated or coming back around. And unfortunately, we address it many times like it's all brand new. Like it, and, 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 and for those of us that know, as we get older, we have to learn how to pass the baton. We have to learn how to listen to the young folks. You know, right now there's stuff going on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm consulting or talking to different people because of the Black Music Association with the labels and all that regarding everything's going on. And again, this debate between black and urban and all that stuff. 
And some of the young people, I love their energy and their fire, but they're ready to damn near burn some stuff down. Right. They just they just are angry and they feel like they've been taken advantage of and they feel like they're making hit songs and nobody really giving them the credit or ultimately find out they could have got a better deal or their white counterpart had a better deal than them. Or We have seen this mm-hmm. over and over yeah. over the years and some of us have lived it and some of us have been in the seats of the highest position we could have been in at the time for the role in which we were playing. And I think that that being said, uh, we forget sometimes how to hand off to our young folks or how to pull them together. Um, I was just reading something this morning and I'm so proud of you there in Atlanta um, to read that all the black radio stations and personalities a personnel was coming together as one mm-hmm. to see Black Radio Atlanta speak on behalf. And obviously, we're talking about the voting. It's all centered around voting. But the truth of the matter is we need it anyway, Sean. Radio media has always been our voice. When I grew up, there was a thing called Randy's Record Mark, which is where I listened to all out of Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I listened to, well, actually, it was Gallatin, Tennessee, out of Nashville, I listened to every music. I grew up in North Carolina, but after nine o'clock at night, that's what you get. You could get AM radio, and I know this makes you sound old as heck, but you could get AM radio, and it was always music, R and B, blues, you know, whatever it may be at the time. Uh, Otis Redding, James Brown, you name it. But they were always talking about community and support and building up. Radio in Atlanta has always talked about community and support, and we kind of got away from that. Right. So we sound like sometimes we just a soundtrack that goes on and with music being played, and that's great, but there's very little back talk, very little conversation. That's why I love what you're doing, because I think if we don't introduce or talk to our community more or share with them more about what's going on, we will continue to have lost minds and lost souls. And our next generation will be the ones to lead this nation, lead this world, lead this globe. If we've got anything that we will have hey, in Mike. our position hey, as we you, you, Hey, man, I'm loving you. I'm hearing you because this is why I created <laughs> this because I go back to AM radio, you know, when, when, they used mm-hmm. to, when they used to let you talk before radio became, That's right. music became king and the PPM yeah, said you can't talk. You can't talk. That's right. And, and that's right. When they ran PSAs on the radio, you know, you you can have a little thing happen in the community. They read it on the radio for you. That's no when radio was real radio, you know. And so yeah. that was why I created Money Making Conversation because, you know, people don't want to they won't let this happen. What I'm talking about on the radio, or they yeah. shove it up on Sunday where nobody can hear it on Sunday morning. Well, it's a, it, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, it, you know a friend of mine. The late LeBaron Taylor was a, a, an executive at Sony for many years and part of the Black Caucus and really helped me tremendously, you know, got me to the White House a couple of times and just amazing guy. But he used to use the term and some of them that people that know him is from Philadelphia. And he's like, Michael, this has all happened before. Before you came here to Sony and you're kicking butt right now and y'all are amazing. You're, you've turned this company around. He said, but before you came here, we were doing similar to the same thing. We had these. And one day they decided they, whoever they may be, decided they did they didn't want to do it no more. And mm-hmm. we were successful. So you need to be careful. And and his word was always try don't be bamboozled. Right. Because we allow the trick bag to be put into play. And that's what's going on now. Like imagine this, Rashawn. 
if what you're talking about, what you're doing right now, right. if all the radio stations, I'm just going to talk about Atlanta. If you take the radio stations that, as the general public knows them, from what's going on at KISS or what's going on at V103 or what's going on over at Hospital uh, 7 mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, and you allow those jocks and those programmers to talk around their records and to be able to share information with the community and the public, this election wouldn't be, it would, trust me, we'd be in a much better place right. come the end of November or come January 2021. 20, uh, if that was able to happen, because when you start to minimize our voice, you start to minimize the outreach to community. When you cut that off, all of a sudden it's touch point. All of a sudden you don't have to be black and from the culture and from the community to play, quote unquote, black music or hip hop music. But open your mouth and start talking about the issues on our community. Now you got to be black. Now you're needed. So mm-hmm. people position us where we're not needed, or well, then we buy into it and don't think we are. Like anybody can do that. Absolutely. No, you know the thing can. that the thing that bothers me the most, and you're absolutely right. But now the jocks that they have on radio now, they're so music driven and 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 don't have a point of view at all that when they talk about community change, it's almost like, why are you talking to me? What, what, what? Yeah. Okay. You have now developed a, a history to talk to me like that. You're not developing right. history to tell me to go vote or tell me about right. COVID-19 because they won't right. allow that to happen. And so they've they've stripped the personalities of of, of these of, the, of these afternoon drive guys, these middays, midday. They let them talk a little bit. But, hey, afternoon and morning, ain't nobody talking. You, ain't nobody talking. Right? Ain't, ain't, ain't nobody talking afternoon and morning, brother. You know that. And right. So so it's right. really it's really crazy. But I, before I, I want I want to definitely talk about the, the new digital series that you have amplified the state of black American yeah. music. Tell us about that. Right. And what's the direction and what's the what's the overall big goal, the global impact of what you're trying to do with it? Well, first of all, and again, I appreciate that. We're excited about Amplified. Amplified is a, it is a, we call it provocative, but more than anything, it really focuses on our culture mm-hmm. and on Black American music and the influence that it has on a global basis, particularly the economic influence right. in, in controlling, I mean, whether it's automotive, whether it's fashion, whether it's apparel, some way, somehow music and our culture gets involved. We as a black community drive, drives global culture. So you can say, oh, it's black and it's, this is black, but black music, black culture is global culture, is transferred now into quote unquote Western culture. It has became the conduit to mainstream America. And that's what that, similar to what you're doing here, that's what we do, but from a little more entertaining aspect of it, whether we take some of the artists our platform is all about the foundation right. of black American music and what it represents and people like myself and people like uh, L.A. Reid or uh, Catherine Bruton up at BMI or Demet Gidry, who works along with me in that, or some of the more folks that we know that are John Platt over at Sony ATV, uh, people that are really on the ground that's doing stuff. But it also taps in not just music, but it also taps into film or, and taps into, you know, social consciousness right at the same time that's the foundation right. then we talk about the preservation right. the preservation is all about those that came before us those things that happened before us and how important it is we watched my man little richard who is from the state of georgia from macon die recently and get very little 
a claim that, you know, very little, very little attention to what he did. Now, this was, he was a self-proclaimed architect of rock and roll. Yes, he was. But he genuinely was that guy. He was. He really, really was that guy. He had Jimi Hendrix playing guitar for him. He had all these people that looked up to him, but yet and still, he never got his just due. So for us, I argue, this whole idea of Amplified is to, bring it out. And then we talk about the new artists, artists like her, who mm -hmm. is amazing, right. young girl, plays all these instruments, but she's doing things. She's doing things in her community. She's doing things in her street. Uh, no different than Alicia Keys, doing things in the community, all about family. We are wanting to show that. And there are some hip hop guys as well that is really doing that. So we refer to that as the innovation because that is the next step. So our platforms for that show, which is hosted by Nwaka Amusa. Nwaka is an amazing young 34-year-old lady uh, from California, but she's now up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, heading up tutorial. She's a, she's, she um, handles all of the scenarios as it relates to um, ex 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 expeditions and, and, mm -hmm. and just different things mm -hmm. that she has up there at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So she's in charge of that. So she's amazing. My amazing man. individual. You know? I mean, you know? I'm, I'm so glad you called me. I'm, I'm glad to hear your voice. Yeah. I'm glad to hear yeah. the, the things that we talked about. You still, you, you probably as motivated as me still, Michael. <laughs> no doubt. But you know what? Before we go, and I know it's time, we got to get off Rashawn, but if I can say this, the Black American Music Association mm -hmm. is a nonprofit trade association, mm -hmm. very similar to the to the Country Music Association, very similar to uh, the Grammys or NARIS. But we're the we're the governing body for music and culture, and we are bringing people together like crazy, uh, you know, around the country and and through music. And we want to be that voice and be that face. So you're going to be hearing about us. I'm, you know, I'm gonna have a. It's a great executive group of people, mm -hmm. all black, mm -hmm. uh, doing some really amazing things. So I appreciate you taking the time to interview us. Uh, look out for that. Hey man, I know Mwaka, man. I'm gonna know? bring her. Let's get her scheduled on the show so I can interview. her. I'm looking at her now. I know her. I know her. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. She's amazing. She used to be at the Grammy Museum. So Absolutely, she's I know person. her. Let's get on the but, show. Uh, hey Michael, you be safe now, brother. Good. Thank you for calling on the show. Okay, man. Conversation. Th all right, thank you, brother. Thank bye, you. bye, my friend. If you want to hear more interviews, go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. Cool. Bye, y'all.